Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 4 DraftKings Picks in preview. If you out there are looking for an easier way to construct a whole bunch of lineups, I highly recommend ftndaily.com. You can find the link in the description of this podcast and video. Use code Mayo. You get 10% off. There's free tools up there as well if you just want to see who the best offensive lines and defensive lines are. But you want to get the optimizer. You want those Jeff Radcliffe wide receiver versus cornerback matchups and the ratings that go along with them. The start versus sit tool that's up there right now, then you probably want to use code Mayo to get your hands on all of this, plus all the projections. It's better than listening to me just rattle off, hey, I like this guy. He's in a great spot. Now, you can go look at the projections and find everything out at ftndaily.com. If you're looking for the cheat sheet for this, it's going to be out on Friday, as will my injury show on Friday evening. Then we're going to have all of the information. I'll be doing a QA and a on that show in the comment section as well. Then Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, myself, Brad Evans, we breaking down the early news on Sunday, plus taking your questions live on Mayo Media Network. So please go sub now. Smash the like button to the episode as well. And in the comment section, give me your favorite play below $5,000 on the week four main slate. It's the main slate. That's what we're talking about here. Just the millionaire maker slate on Sunday. None of these Monday games or games that were on Sunday that got pushed to Monday. We don't even know about those, if that's even going to be completely confirmed or not. But joining me on the line, first time this football season from DailyRoto.com, Davis Maddock, new background, looks good. New background, we're, uh, we're ready, we're ready for the season, you know, feeling good. Week four, it, week four is actually like a, like kind of a great time. We have enough data to kind of feel comfortable with, uh, with some of our takes, you know, we're not just, we're not just blindly guessing at stuff anymore generally generally speaking this is like a good stretch of nfl dfs too especially before you know the bye weeks really start to hit well do you think that this is a week where if you wanted to play contrarian you could only because everyone's going to be looking at like you said like it's been three weeks week five would probably be the best week because everyone kind of looks at the nfl in terms of four weeks of data and how that can actually be projectable out into the future that if people start doing that now and jumping in like oh well this team's offensive line sucks you got to play these receivers against them or whatever it might be that you can almost pivot away from that and go the other way because maybe the data hasn't quite come to fruition yet it doesn't really tell you all that much i mean this is just an insanely easy week to be contrarian in general because uh there's not one spot that's going to be like super super shock like you know we don't have a dallas atlanta dallas seattle sort of situation we're going to have you know like uh the two last mvps of the league lamar jackson and patrick mahomes are going to be like maybe six percent owned i mean i this will probably this this game against the washington football team is going to be like the lowest owned that the baltimore offense will ever be in the history of daily fantasy sports so like I, I think you can get contrarian just because if you like a spot this week, like if you're like, oh, you know, I have some conviction on this offense, um, you're going to be able to get like incredible ownership percentages on whoever you like. 
It struck me as odd when I was looking at the game totals that the highest total game of the week is Saints-Lions. I was like, what? What's going on here? That, that, yeah. Doesn't that game scream under? Or maybe I'm just way off on this. Um, I mean, I think that the supposition there is just that, like, the Saints defense doesn't look that good. The Lions defense doesn't really look that good. And the Lions have this really interesting thing where they just want to run the ball like crazy. But when they get down, they actually like and this is a thing that's been true the entire time. Patricia has been the coach. They've been one of the slowest teams in the league when playing ahead and one of the fastest teams in the league when playing from behind. And, you know, obviously the bookmakers expect the Saints to get ahead in this game and there to be loads of passing attempts there. But it is weird because that is not even a game that like people are going to often like no one, no one's leading their DFS show with that, I guess, except you. Yeah. Well, I, I could mainly cause I was wrong. That is not the highest total game of the week. That's a 54 game total, 56 game total for the Browns and your Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, so that's so interesting. I, I actually think this is the most interesting spot of the week because we just have all this negative bias with the Cleveland Browns. Like, Oh, they suck. Baker sucks. He's on too many commercials. He's annoying. Landry sucks. Odell sucks. Like they're all, you know, they're all terrible. And you know, the Cowboys have gained almost 1200 yards on offense through three games. Uh, Dak has thrown for over 450 yards in two straight games. And, you know, we saw last week Gallup was the one that was like 8% owned. My thoughts this week is that Lamb ends up being the one who's under 10% owned. But we have Odell. We have Chubb with uh, Kareem Hunt, who has not practiced yet this week. And they called up Dontrell Hilliard from the practice squad. So kind of reading the tea leaves seems like Hunt is either going to be limited or not active this week. And you're like, none of those Browns players will be over 10% owned in like Millie Maker style contests on DraftKings. So like that, that's just a game where, like the, the negative perception bias is going to give you this like insanely good buy spot. Hmm. Interesting. So let's jump into the positions. We'll start at running back going to the top. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey not playing. Don't use him this week. After that, we're looking at Alvin Kamara at $8,000. He is the most expensive running back on the slate. Zeke, Cook, Eckler, and Chubb all in that 7K range. Then you have Jacobs, Taylor, James Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and then Chris Carson, 6,300, but he's probably not going to play. So if we're just looking at that top end and you want to build around these stud running backs, if Michael Thomas is out again, and I don't know what his status is going to be as we're recording this right now, that Kamara has to be the lock button, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, so even like in a, a what, like you, you're playing 150, you're playing 20 lineups. Like I, I would, I would seriously consider locking Alvin Kamara. Like I think he projects like two points better than every other flex eligible position player on the slate. He had 13 receptions in that primetime game, had that, you know, that insane 65 yard uh, touch down on the screen pass i mean he just looks incredible like he just looks like uh what you know whatever was ailing him last year with the uh you know uh, he tweeted that he had some sort of tear in his knee um yeah i believe he had a concussion last year as well i mean he just he just was not healthy last year at all for the saints and that looks completely done and uh drew Brees is what now 41 years old he's not looking to throw down the field at all he just wants to give alvin kamara the ball and let alvin kamara rack up that yak i mean i i think that Kamara basically projects like Christian McCaffrey projects, except instead of being 10.2 on DraftKings, he's 8K. Like, he just is a lock. 
Yeah, I think it depends on where you look at where your projections are coming from. I, I just think that the market share of targets without Michael Thomas around, even if Michael Thomas plays at this point, that Kamara right. has just been so good in these spots. And the Saints in a high game total tend to actually kind of live up to it. Breeze, especially even over the past three years, uh, despite the fact that he's not taking shots down the field. And this is nothing new for Drew Breeze. It's just, it's just more glaring this time around because it's so few shots, so few air yards down the field. But he tends to come through in these big spots. Could you pair Breeze with Kamara and have that be a Saint stack if you wanted to? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think that like that's not a very, you know obviously that's not a very conventional stack or anything like that. But you know, I definitely think that it is. I mean, could those two combine for uh, 112 receiving yards and two touchdowns? Absolutely. Like I I think that you would just use Alvin Kamara like a wide receiver in that rule. So other than that, like. Obviously, Zeke is going to be a, probably a fantastic play against Cleveland. Uh, Cook against Houston, I assume that game is now go Like, that game's going, right, on Sunday? Uh, from, from everything that we've heard, now, granted, we, you and I are recording this on Thursday morning, that, uh, you know, that, that could flip, something could change. I, I think, you know, I literally actually, just as you and I are recording right now, like literally two minutes ago, the, the Titans – uh, Steelers game has been like officially postponed like it's going to have to be played later in the year so I, I'm not I'm not going to say anything definitive about Houston Minnesota yet oh is that true like so it's not happening on Monday night anymore yeah Schefter literally just tweeted this like maybe 60 seconds ago okay see I'm glad you're on the news desk breaking all this stuff down so that's going to be interesting. Tune into Friday's show so we can figure out like I guess if you have guys in the Thursday night game you got to fire them up for like season long but this is about DraftKings could you go Kamara and Zeke in a lineup and figure out the rest this week? So, I, I mean, I think you could. Um, I think the hard part about that on DraftKings this week is we don't have any clear, like, super value play. Like, we don't have, like, a, a 3K guy that we feel really good about at wide receiver. We don't have, you know, like, a, a $4,000, a $4,500 running back that we feel really good about. I don't even think that we have like punt defenses. So I, I mean, I think you could do it. I think the problem for that for me is that I like Clyde Edwards Elair just about as much as I like Zeke. Like I think that they are very comparable plays and you are getting uh, $1,400 savings with Zeke in that spot. Well, tell me on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Elair and why that he wouldn't be a worse play than someone like James Robinson against New England, who you know, or against Cincinnati, sorry, who you know is going to touch the ball like 20 times through the ground, on the air, get all the goal line carries, and it just seems like no one wants to play him. So, I mean, I do like James Robinson, let's say like relatively speaking, but I think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is basically the best player at any position for their price like he would be if i was ranking you know my top 10 overall dfs plays of the week considering their their cost Clyde edwards layer would be mine you, you kind of get the best of both worlds with him it's kind of a blowout like it was against houston 25 carries 138 yards um and a touchdown if it tends to be a little bit more competitive game we saw eight targets six receptions in that chargers game and then we got both of those things against baltimore 20 rushing attempts six targets he's only scored one touchdown so far but he's had uh let's see he's had over 70 interactions through three games like Clyde Ritzelaire is a straight up bell cow back you know basically you know Ezekiel Elliott but playing for the Chiefs Darwin Thompson fumbled in the last game like I think his snaps are basically going to go to zero 6400 to me is like I mean he should be 7.9 or whatever yeah, and that's what you're getting Elvin Kamara at right now. Or just for $100 more, you could have Elvin Kamara if he was 7900 bucks. But all these guys in the middle, you got Cook, Eckler, 
Chubb, and it looks like there could be no Kareem Hunt this week. Would that change everything for you? Would you then just jam in Nick Chubb? Um, I don't know if I would jam him in, but like he would be like he would go from being a guy that you like kind of maybe you played in like one of your eight tournament lineups or something to being like more of kind of a, a core play because we actually saw Chubb last year. I mean, he did catch passes before Kareem Hunt came in there. He was running a decent amount of routes and he also gets um, I would assume without Hunt, he is going to get like a, a huge bump in goal line touches like if they get near the goal line they've kind of been splitting things i think uh hunt had three touches inside the 10 yard line last week and chubb uh, only had one yeah i'm just having a lot of trouble here at the top like it doesn't seem like anyone's gonna play delvin cook that seems like a really low pace game so you know you'd have to hope that cook kind of breaks one out eckler is super interesting in this matchup because we know the Bucks to be a good run defense, but that is not what we have Austin Eckler in our lineups for. And since Justin Herbert has taken over for Taylor, that all of a sudden he's catching passes again. That's fantastic news. It is. It is definitely very fantastic news. And, you know, I think that Eckler is, he's kind of one of those interesting guys where you would assume that basically, you know, coming off of that week where, uh, what do you have like 31 DraftKings points last week? You would you would assume that guys who smash in the prior week are going to get owned again. But you know we have the the Chargers with this 18 and a half point team total. The Buccaneers defense is pretty strong. But I I completely agree with you that this is just like a a really solid matchup for him because this is going to be a Austin Eckler game, not a Josh Kelly game. You know, 70% of the snaps probably should get targeted, you know, five to eight times or something like that. And if he, if they get in near the goal line, very similar to the Rivers Chargers, I mean, Eckler is a, is a big part of what they do at the goal line. So I, I think he's pretty interesting. And I think you'll be able to get him at like probably sub 5%. So, you know, all the running backs that we've discussed so far are like the really good running backs. So what do we do if we can't just pay up for all of the good running backs and go sub 6,000? Like, where are we looking here now? Because it's not like there's like last week, there was like five guys that you could potentially use all in that same sort of area. Uh, it doesn't really seem that way this week. I guess Mike Davis at 5,700 bucks is probably my favorite play. He should be higher price. If you think Clyde Edwards Hilaire should be higher price, Mike Davis should be higher price too, because they do kind of the same thing. He's not as good, mind you, but he's never coming off the field, it appears. Yeah, he's never coming off the field. Basically, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey left the field and Mike Davis just, you know, filled in that role. And and uh, you know, the char the Panthers definitely won a game that they were not supposed to. There are a couple interesting guys down here though. Um, David Johnson, I mean, you know, uh, he, he basically played every snap for the Texans, assuming that game doesn't get canceled for, for COVID stuff. I think there is a chance that David Montgomery with Tariq Cohen out, um, I think there's a chance that he just turns into like a full-on bell cow and, you know, plays something like 75, 80% of the snaps for Chicago, kind of has that role to himself. Uh, Miles Gaskin is the eighth overall running back in expected points this year. I think the issue with him is he just gets pulled to the goal line for Jordan Howard, but he has uh, 15 targets through three games. And uh, the the last cheap guy that I think is sort of interesting, Ronald Jones, four targets last week, played clearly ahead of Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette missed practice on Wednesday with uh, some sort of lower body injury. This is, you know, a game scrape where we're going to see the Buccaneers again, you know, likely playing from ahead at 4,700 and at, you know, absolutely no ownership. I do think he is sort of interesting. Yeah, I it first appeared like Rex Burkhead would be the guy that you should probably go to, but 
James White is back at practice. Damian Harris was just activated from the injured reserve, so he might be back in the mix too. That's going to be pretty tough to trust him in this spot. Although just watch him just be the guy once again. If you're playing catch up against the Chiefs, which is you know presumed being seven point underdogs, that's going to be him or White on the field. Uh, maybe White after taking the last two weeks off, maybe we'll ease him back in a little bit. I don't know. But I think if you were looking for that type of player, like could you go to my guy? Let's see where where's his price tag right now. I want to get this right. At $4,000 even, Davis, J.D. McKissick, who is a 13-point dog and the pass catching back for the footballs. So I think the issue that you find with guys like J.D. McKissick is they are good enough to get like 13 DraftKings points, but they're not good enough to get like 30. Um, and you just you just don't really want to be loading up on on guys like that because we're we're trying to win a lot of money. You know, we're not trying to we're not trying to min cash. And I, and so like, could could JD McKissick catch eight passes for fifty six yards? Yeah, I definitely think he could. Uh, I don't think that he could score like twenty eight DraftKings points though. Yeah, and then like even some of the better plays, like someone like Devin Singletary at fifty nine hundred, it looks like Zach Boss is going to be back. Well, that's not good by any means and then i don't necessarily agree with you on david montgomery like if it's going to be a difference between a hundred dollars like like you said i would just rather have david johnson in that spot like they're kind of the same guy at this point except for david montgomery hasn't been hurt and david johnson's gone through the ringer of all these injuries where his high-end production has fallen down to the level of where david montgomery is right now i could just see a lot of cordero patterson in that backfield to be perfectly honest with you uh, I mean, I hope that we get to see a lot of Cordell Patterson. That would be that would uh, that would make me very happy. I really like him and got him stashed on a bunch of these like deep dynasty leagues that I'm in. I, I would be I would be in on Cordell Patterson third down back. You know, uh, uh, get him on out in space, give him those jet sweeps and stuff. I would be I would be in. I mean, it, it, in this range, it really is David Johnson. It just feels so gross because he's so old and slow. Yeah, that's fine though. Um, $4,700. I know he appeared on the injury report, uh, with a shoulder problem his first time all year, but this would strike me as a Naheem Hines game against the bears. If it's going to be close, we just haven't seen the Colts play any close games except for week one, the one game where Hines was good. The next two weeks, you know, you get, you get the jets, you blow up the Vikings. You can just kind of run the ball into the ground. We got a heavy dose of Jordan Wilkins uh, in week three. Like that, that's not going to happen when there's competitive games. So if you do think this is going to be a competitive game against the bears, I do think that if he's healthy, we see a ton of Hines. Yeah. I think that we should see a good amount of Hines. I mean, I guess we did kind of skip past Jonathan Taylor and, you know, I'm kind of of the opinion that, you know, much like we were just talking about with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, much like we were just talking about with Mike Davis. I think he is just underpriced um, kind of like as a whole, because I know that that Jets game was really weird. But to me, I think the Colts have given us every indication that like they're going to use Jonathan Taylor like, you know, just a, an absolute lead back. I think he is, uh, you know, phenomenal. He had six targets in that week one game. And, and I, I kind of want to like buy low on him at, at I believe he's 6,600 on DraftKings this week. Like I, I just kind of me to me, it just doesn't matter the matchup. Cause I think he's so good. And I think in competitive game scripts, he's just going to get the ball so much. All right, let's move to wide receivers. Um, one guy you need to put in this week at wide receiver from the top end, the bottom end, who just sticks out to you as the best value. DJ Moore at uh, $5,600 on DraftKings should see in between, 
you know, uh, 22% to 26% of the targets against, you know, a pretty, a pretty average Carolina or a pretty average Arizona Cardinals defense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he just he's he's just a stud, and he's way way mispriced. Well, you have him at fifty six. You have Robbie Anderson at fifty four. It does look like DJ Moore will probably draw Drake Kirkpatrick in this spot, where Patrick Peterson presumably will be on Robbie Anderson. Do you do you sweat Patrick Peterson anymore? Or is he past that point? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't really sweat cornerbacks in general, but uh, I definitely do not sweat Patrick Peterson, who like hasn't had a good um, pro football focus coverage grade in, in quite a while. All right. So maybe is that an offense you can kind of go to? Because, you know, everyone loves using Kyler. Everyone loves using DeAndre Hopkins. Could you go to the other side of that game and just use the Carolina receivers? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a great. And it doesn't even sound contrarian when I say it, but because Hopkins is so expensive this week, um, I actually think you can set yourself up pretty nice with you you go Kyler, you go Hopkins, um, you can use Kirk if he's active, you can use Isabella if he's inactive, and then you can use DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Mike Davis, and that's like a super awesome um, you know, very like the, those plays in and of themselves do not sound contrarian, but that roster construction is going to be super um, not common. All right, so let's go to the top. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins is the super duper high price player this week. Eighty five hundred dollars. That is nine hundred dollars more than Michael Thomas. Is Michael Thomas going to be back? Like, what, what's your lean on this? Uh, so I was thinking no, because high ankle sprains are you know high like that's just it's the worst for for football players it's like you you'd almost rather have them like try and play through some kind of like knee sprain or something but just this morning um you know the the beat writers around the team were saying that the team is actually optimistic about getting him back and that would be man that would be a very hard decision what do you do with a maybe healthy maybe not healthy michael thomas priced at 7600 given that his you know his normal DraftKings price is like uh, nine thousand, eighty-eight hundred, eighty-five hundred. Like that would be a very tough spot to to decide. I think. I, I think that would just have to be a pure pass for me, even if he does play. Like I'll, I'll risk him going off in this spot. But like you said, they were optimistic that he was going to play in that Monday night game against the Raiders as well, and then he didn't end up playing against right. the Packers. Like eventually, you get to the point where just just sit him down and make sure that he's healthy. You're, you're going to need this guy. Yeah. No. I mean, you're 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 clearly accurate there. I mean, like. They, they can probably win this game, um, you know, and, and you know, the, the qualifications for making the playoffs are a little bit easier than they've been in the past uh, with uh, with the seventh team making it. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's just like, what why, why are we trying to rush Michael Thomas back from this ankle injury? Like, let's be smart. So he's at 76. After that, you go down to Tyler Lockett. He's at $7,000. Then it's Tyreek, DK Metcalf, Diggs, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup, and then Adam Thielen at $6,600. Uh, Keenan Allen, Chris, well, Chris Godwin's not playing, but Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, and Robert Woods in the bottom of the $6,000 area as well. Gallup's there. He draws a pretty tough matchup this week uh, if everyone's healthy on Cleveland. He would be the tough guy to start on Dallas, at least in my opinion. Then you have Chark and you have Galladay. So I think Chark is a really interesting guy to go back to. He's had this extended break. It looks like he is going to play with this chest injury. Obviously, if he doesn't play, uh, do not play him. But everyone got screwed by Minshew last week, especially a lot of the season-long fantasy football people who picked him up, started him on Thursday night, and he was absolute trash. And I think a lot of that actually had to do with Chark not being available to him. But just the big plays that Cincinnati gives up, like even if you just want to do a mini and just say, hey, I'm going to play Minshew, I'm going to play Chark, and then I'm going to save a lot of money. 
Uh, and there's a few of those stacks that you can kind of roll out this week to save some money to pay up for the running backs if you wanted to. But I think just even independently, like everyone's kind of off chart at this moment, that he is a such a high upside player. I know the volume hasn't been there for him so far, but I, I just think his upside is so amazing in this matchup. I mean, yeah, we saw how terrible they looked without him, right? They we like they just they looked like they had no offensive ability. Now, granted, the center was missing in that game for the Jaguars, and then their left tackle got kicked out um, as well in that game. So those were you know kind of some overall systemic issues. But I do I do love the idea of getting Shark against this terrible defense, six thousand, you know, and and we will see. You know, maybe maybe he ends up being five percent owned. So I, I'm I'm with you on that one. I think that one's pretty sharp. The the problem is that if I end up doing that and I go Minshew and I go Chark, I don't really know who to bring it back with. Like I don't want to bring it back with Mixon. Boyd, you just bring it back with Boyd or T Higgins. Uh, I mean, I think that I think the problem with Higgins is like they they priced him way up. Like I would be really interested in Higgins at like uh, thirty eight hundred. You know, kind of given his role. But Boyd, I actually think for DraftKings scoring is probably underpriced. I mean, uh, thirteen targets last week, and you know, I mean, we we just like AJ Green. Like you know, you you had a good run, bud, but it's uh you know it, it's it's time for you to go to the pasture now. Tyler Boyd is the top wide receiver there, I think. Uh, of all these top end options, like where else do you think you would go? Would it be the lower sixes? Would it be like starting at Lockett at seven thousand bucks and like just jamming in the Seattle wide receivers once again with Russell Wilson and figure out the rest later? That seems to be a pretty good strategy so far. Like and even like the two I have the most interest in, or the three I probably have the most interest in here, and I'll probably have to parse out who gets left off and who gets put in. But I think Tyreek against New England is super interesting just because it's Tyreek Hill and no one will probably want to play him against. New England, which is always strange to me. Then you have Stefan Diggs and Allen Robinson at 68 and 67. Uh, they seem priced up, but I mean, Diggs came through in like an awful spot last week. Not anyone that won money, but he ended up catching a touchdown. He had two touchdowns overturned earlier in that game. And in spots where, you know, he's not on Jalen Ramsey the entire game, he's going to get supreme volume. And if John Brown sits in this game, Gabriel Davis is also super interesting. Maybe that's a stack you can run through. Allen, Diggs, and Davis. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to play. I want John Brown to sit because I want to play loads of Gabriel Davis. Um, he's caught every target that John Brown is thrown or that Josh Allen is thrown to him this year. And the Bills have run the most 10 personnel in the NFL. So that's one running back, four wide receivers. So they've, they've been making an effort to get Gabriel Davis on the field despite having Beasley Brown and Diggs. Like they, they, think he's really solid he was a, a big play guy in college had a really high um, yards per reception and average depth of target at the university of central florida and he was an early declare prospect as well uh like a true junior so just a lot of the things we look at for breakout rookie wide receivers apply to gabriel davis he's 3200 on DraftKings. i i'm looking to make him pretty much a core play this week if john brown doesn't play i i definitely liked what you said about tyreek i think that you know, we just saw Mahomes drop 45 on uh, on Monday night and Tyreek, Mahomes, Kelsey, these guys are not going to be a big part of people's plans. I think some of the really strong wide receivers in this range are going to be, uh, we, we have Amari Cooper, who I think is is not going to be popular. We have Mike Evans, who I don't think is going to be popular despite Chris Godwin. Really? You, you don't I mean, think he's going to be popular even with Chris Godwin sitting out? Like I like I guess when I think of popular, I'm like, okay, what is this guy going to be owned in like uh, like a a, sing, a twelve dollar single entry contest with like two thousand and five thousand people in it, and like I don't think Evans will, like 
maybe he would be popular. Maybe he ends up being like 10 or 12%, but not to the point of like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fade this guy because he's too chalky. Yeah. It's, it's not a great matchup presumably against Michael Davis, but at the same time, like right. Justin Watson may or may not play Scotty Miller may or may not play. Like the Bucks just might have no other options here. Yeah. They like, uh, so I, I think that, I think that Evans should see, you know, one of his like healthiest target volumes, um, of the week, basically. Like, I think that I think, or of the year, uh, we, I mean, we saw it in week two with no God when Evans had this, uh, this total explosion game made Brady probably look a little bit better than, uh, than his baselines are. And uh, I mean, Cooper cup and Robert Woods, this is the, this is the, the really interesting game because the Rams have this gigantic team total right now. It, it actually has moved up all the way to 30 and a half but people just see that giant spread against uh, against no pun intended, the New York giants and are, are not interested in playing them. But uh, I, I mean, I really want to play Robert Woods and Cooper cup this week. Well, we didn't really even talk about the Rams running backs. And I think a lot of it has to do with cam acres, but do you presume people will go to Daryl Henderson here in this matchup? Because on paper, it looks like a fantastic matchup against the giants. But if you threw acres back into that mix, you don't really know how the snaps and touches are going to be distributed. Let's say acres is out. Do you then just go to Henderson? Um, so I think that's actually really strong. Like, I think that you, I think that you um, really want to, I think that you should want to play him because I don't think that Henderson is going to be a big part of people's plans. You know, Malcolm Brown did play like a, a relatively healthy amount last week. Henderson only caught two passes, but you know, if we're looking at guys who we think can get 30 plus DraftKings points and are outside of, you know, are, are not super expensive. I think Henderson is a great example of that guy. Yeah, it seems like everyone's on like an even playing field. I'm just looking at the projections right now, and there's not a huge disparity between like DeAndre Hopkins rates out the best. No big surprise there. But after that, like it's like Lockett is second in the projections. Like Juju would have been up there, but obviously he's not on this slate anymore. And then your guy, DJ Moore, is like the next one. So maybe DJ Moore is the best value on this slate at wide receiver, like you said. He he is the best value on the slate at wide receiver, but he is an example of a guy who there's like a legit case to fade him in tournaments because he is going to be so popular. You know, like he, he like I would expect him to probably be the highest owned um, pass catcher this week. Really? What, what about someone like Justin Jefferson, who's down at $5,200? If he's actually going to remain on the outside, th- this game I just find very confusing. I think a lot of people are going to stay away from this game just because it got taken off the schedule, then put back on the schedule. And it's just, it's two 0-3 teams. It's not super exciting, but it does feel like there's a lot of fantasy goodness that could come from here, whether it's Thielen, whether it's Jefferson, whether it's Cooks, whether it's Fuller, David Johnson, Dalvin Cook, like all of these guys seem like they're going to be supremely underowned. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so also specifically as it relates to Jefferson, he just got this massive price hike, right? So he's now sitting at 5,200, um, that like, that is a, a big price jump. Like he is more expensive than Darius Slayton, more expensive than Anthony Miller, more expensive than Curtis Samuel. He should be, he uh, should be more expensive than all those guys, by the way. Oh, for sure. He should be, but just generally speaking, like that is, that's not kind of what, DraftKings has done historically like bumping up guys a thousand dollars after like well I guess at running back they do it but you know uh it's it happens a little bit uh it happens a little bit slower at wide receiver than at um than at tight end and running back and quarterback so I I think just the fact that Jefferson got such a price hike is uh you know really going to really going to keep his ownership down so in the fives besides DJ Moore uh, is there anyone else that you're like you're like would you play Jefferson at this price 
maybe I wouldn't in tournaments. I haven't gotten down to like building everything out yet, but Will Fuller, 5,900. Devontae Parker, 5,700. Robbie Anderson, 5,400. CeeDee Lamb, 5,400. Jarvis Landry, 5,100. Like this range is full of guys that I actually think are really strong plays inside of game stacks. So if you were constructing your lineups and you ended up paying double up or even triple up at running back and really solidifying your touches that way, you're probably going to need to take two guys from either like the very low end of the sixes or in the fives. Would you be comfortable making your lineups that way? There's one guy I would feel comfortable with down there, and that would be Gabriel Davis um, at, at 3,200. If John Brown does not play, I would expect that he will project for in between 10 or 12 points probably if uh, if John Brown and – okay, if John Brown and Dawson Knox, Dawson Knox dealing with um, a concussion, if both of those guys are inactive for the Bills. he uh, Dawson Knox returned have- to practice, so he should be okay. I was looking at two guys in the fours. Uh, and I don't really know how to parse them up. They're, they're classic Pat Mayo plays where almost like the J.D. McKissicks of the world where you really need them to get a touchdown or they're probably yeah, not going to do the, much. Who is, who is the Texans guy just every week? Who is the He was the wide receiver three for the Texans. You love this dude. I, I can't remember his name now. Oh, what the hell was his name? He was good, too. He was the min every week. Um, oh, my God. My mind okay, is I'm so gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go look at the Houston Texans roster from 2016. I, I had a nickname that for him, too. It was like the Duke of touchdowns or something like that. What the fuck was that guy's name? Okay. Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington. The Duke of Ellington. Duke That's Ellington. who it was. There we go. Duke, Duke Ellington. Ellington was that great. was your... But in, in, in the fours, like no rugs, no Edwards. Bruce Ellington. Bruce Ellington. That's right. I think I called him the Duke of Ellington or the Duke of touchdowns because... It would just be 3000 bucks and pay off every single week. We had like 15 points. But either way, he, like I think T. Higgins, Preston Williams are both intriguing upside plays. Brendan Cooks at 4500 bucks is like, I can see it, although he looks damn. Yeah, they're, they're, begging, they're begging you to take that guy. But the, the, the Pat Mayo type plays, I'm going to get off Cole Beasley. Don't need Cole Beasley this week. But other side of the ball, Hunter Renfro is 4600 bucks. They have no one. And you know the Bills are going to go out of their way to shut down Waller, just like the Patriots did. So Renfro's just going to be free to run around. And then Golden Tate at 4600 bucks. Like I just look at how that Rams team is constructed on defense and Tate and Ingram should be the two to give them problems, especially if they're especially if the Giants are down by like 14 points or 21 points, like it's just going to be pepper targets to Golden Tate the entire game. Um yeah, the the cheap guy I like. I mean, I think I think Tate is fine. The cheap guy I think has like the best, uh, the best projectable like full actually floor and ceiling for me is in Keel Harry at four thousand. They just didn't really need to use him at all in week three, but coming into week three, he had a 29% target share and he and Edelman like actually kind of switched roles from what you'd expect. Edelman has been like, he's got the highest a dot um, of his career. And we've actually seen in Keel Harry, like be like the, the slow crossing route bubble screen guy. And uh, I mean, that's a good role to be in a DraftKings at 4,000. Like he could catch like eight passes against this Kansas city chiefs team. Uh, let's switch to tight end. Unless there's any more wide receivers you, we didn't bring up. You want to talk about. No, I think that's, uh, I think that's all the dudes. All right. Tight end Kelsey back on the main slate. So that's always nice to have 6,800 bucks. And you have Andrews at 6,000 boomer bust Higby. He's 5,700 bucks. Jared cook may or may not play. He's 5,400. Then you got Waller Gesicki. That's $5,000 up. Is there any way that you can talk me out of just playing hundred percent Mike Gesicki? Um, yeah, I mean, Darren Waller, 
had a 38% target share coming into that New England game. We just, we know, like Bill Belichick has done this to a hundred times to, you know, stud tight ends against him, right? I get, he does it against Kelsey. He used to do it against Antonio Gates all the time. Like Bill Belichick and his kid, they just figure out a way to uh, break down opposing tight ends. Henry Ruggs is out. Brian Edwards is out. Waller Waller is going to get uh, fed until he cannot eat anymore against the Buffalo Bills. I think I would prefer to just fade Waller completely. Think that the Bills are like, wow, you have one pass catcher who does anything. Let's just take him out of the game and see what you do. I mean, so I I think I think you could lean that way. Like I like I I get the I get the theory. It's just like to me it seems like he is just going to get so many targets. Like it seems like it's going to be like a, a DeAndre Hopkins situation where like they're just going to throw him the ball so many times in so many different ways. Like I, I just, I think he, he looks like a, he looks like a, a great play this week. All right. So I mean, I, mean, I would be willing to bet you Gasecki versus Waller this week, but above those guys in terms of DraftKings pricing, the Kelsey, Andrew Higby cook tier, do you think you would get up to any of them? Uh, I only say that because no one wants to play Mark Andrews after watching him on Monday night, but Baltimore tends to run train over bad teams. And this just seems like a spot where you mm-hmm. catch like three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, this is my, this is my biggest take of the week is that the Baltimore Ravens have the, you know, tied for the highest team, highest team total of the entire slate. And uh, no one wants to play them, right? Lamar Jackson, the best fantasy quarterback we've seen uh, since Michael Vick, basically. No one wants to play him. Uh, actually, he said, I believe he said, he believe he scored more fantasy points last year than Michael Vick did in that one crazy um, Philadelphia season. So Lamar, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, I mean, th- these are these are just obvious plays. Like these are these are if you if you are a smart and intelligent person at making long-term decisions, you are gonna have uh, I think Mark Andrews at 6,000, like, is absurd. Like, it's an absurd price. Like, just play a lot of him. Well, I mean, it's not absurd relative to the rest of the pricing. If Kamara is only going to be 8,000, like, Mark Andrews at 6,000 makes a lot of sense. I guess that's true. I mean, maybe they they may, I, except for wide receiver, everyone is, like, priced um, super fairly this week. Uh, wide receivers, I think, a lot of those guys are, especially the value guys, are are really juiced up, but... I mean, I, I think this top tier of tight ends is so good. I mean, I, I want to play Kelsey. I want to play Andrews. Probably we'll skip on Higby, but Kasicki, Waller. I mean, these guys are all just such strong plays. And it, it's really difficult this week because at tight end, there's been like three or four guys you can pay down for in the $3,000 area almost every single week. And it just doesn't seem to be the case. Like the only one is the same guy everyone uses every week and doesn't do anything is Logan Thomas. He's 3500 bucks, But I guess he would be the logical bring back Unless you just go with McLaurin, who seems to be matchup proof, uh, who's been really good so far, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he has been really good. Uh, I probably I'm just going to go back to probably I'm just going to go back to uh, our boy, Logan Thomas. He's fifth amongst all tight ends in expected points, last amongst all tight ends in uh, uh, points under expectation, which, uh, you know, it's a I, little bit on him. I got to ask you. a lot on Haskins. Yeah. I got to ask you about your projector, your expected fantasy points points under projection all this sort of stuff is this your new crutch for like when calls go wrong it's like oh well he was expected to have 30 points it's actually i think it's a lot better instead of looking back on like oh i I, it's not my fault that he got it wrong i actually think it's way better on just figuring out like should i be buying low on this guy or is this guy actually like not good anymore um so like guys who are racking up a lot of expected points but like 
you know, not, uh, not scoring a ton of points. I, I think those are interesting situations to look at and be like, uh, you know, should I be playing more of this guy or not? All right. Where can you find all of this stuff? Like, uh, just for people out there. Cause I've, I've heard it more in the past seven days than I have my, my entire life that people just using this, like who used it first and why did everyone like clamp onto it? Is it because it just involves Logan Thomas? Like he seems to be the poster boy for it. Um, expected points have been around for a while. I like we have on uh, on Daily Roto, we have um, like air yards data and stuff that that includes like expected receptions, uh, expected yards that the guys should have gained. But then on Rotoviz, they have the expected points tables for everybody. So you can go you can go to there. I, I believe it's the weekly player stat explorer under the tools tab on rotoviz and you can just sort by expected points and and actual fantasy points and then fantasy points over expectation fantasy points under expectation it's really simple right it's not like it's not actually a very complex formula basically um it weights every touch whether it's a carry whether it's a target whether it's a pass attempt um takes into account the location on the field where that play is taking place and you know how close it is to the end zone and everything and then um you know a signs that relative to uh how many fantasy points should be scored there on average basically it's 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 not it's not like mind-bending math so i mean the thing that we use over at ftn so if you go to ftndaily.com slash air dash yards it's the air yards tool it's completely free to go use there is a thing that we have up there called weighted average uh the whopper which includes it's an average that incorporates a player's share of team targets and their team share of air yards into it. So I guess that's relatively around the same thing. So if you look at that right now, you have Crowder, Edelman, Allen, Keenan Allen, Thielen, Hopkins, Odell, DJ Moore. Uh, then you start getting into you know quarterbacks and things like that. But um, if you just sort by wide receivers, those would be the guys that come up. If we do it by tight end, the highest guys are Waller, Andrews, Logan Thomas, Kelsey, Henry, Mike Gusecki, Zach Ertz, Jared Cook, Noah Fant, Jonu Smith. Uh, so a lot of guys that are not on the main slate this week. That's why I like Gusecki so much. I just think that Waller can be taken out of this game. The only other one that I would look at from the $3,000 area, and I, I don't... I don't know if it's going to be one of these things where people will say, oh, it was lucky he's washed, or people will be like, hey, Jimmy Graham's been pretty good. Um, I actually think he has been pretty good, and everyone kind of overrates Anthony Miller, who just doesn't play a lot for the Bears, but when the Bears are chucking, Jimmy Graham is out there and running routes. Uh, yeah, no, he he is. I mean, Jimmy Graham... Feels disgusting to say, but like when when the Bears are in a competitive game script and having to throw, they're playing Jimmy Graham. They're targeting Jimmy Graham. He he actually is a legit play. So yeah, I'm good with going Graham over Logan Thomas this week because I just think people continuously go back to Logan Thomas. Is there anyone in that 4K range? I mentioned Evan Ingram earlier. He's been kind of trash, but this does presumably seem like a good matchup against the Rams. Yeah, it uh, it does seem like a good matchup against the Rams, and people are all the way out on Evan Ingram. I I think actually a super interesting tournament strategy. I don't know if I, I don't know if I have it in to in it in. Oh man, I I can't I can't talk. I don't know if I have it in me to do this strategy, but it would be to use Jared Goff, double stack him with Woods, Cup, and or Higby, and then use the Giants' bringbacks and basically say. Look, if the if the Rams are going to go off, right? If the Rams are going to pass for 350 plus yards, it means that the Giants are able to score points on offense, and that's really going to come through Ingram. That's going to come through Tate, and that's going to come through Slate. None of these Giants running backs are playable, um, you know, at all. And we've seen Daniel Dimes like he just plays this really high volatility style, 
And it, it would not surprise me, you know, to see the Giants be able to put up all these points. I guess the biggest issue is their coaching is just so bad. But Ingram, to me, I think is like a, a super, super interesting play. All right, let's talk QBs. Let's talk the best stacks of the week. Uh, I've got a few narrowed down. It's funny that we've brought up the, this Carolina game a little bit, and it's mostly been on the Panthers' side of the ball, not the Cardinals' side of the ball. But I guess we expect them to be trailing, although they're only three-point dogs at home right now, which seems like a crazy line to me, which means it's probably a trap game. Like, there's going to be no points scored in this, whatever. But can you talk me out of Fitzpatrick? Just Fitzpatrick, Gasicki. they're going to score points. They're going to be throwing. Why not? I won't talk you out of Gasicki, but the I, I just think that like Ryan Fitzpatrick as like a, a chalky, attractive, you know, semi-popular option in a week where we're going to see all-time lows for uh, ownership on Mahomes, on Lamar. Like I just, I can't. I, I would much rather play, uh, for example, Patrick Mahomes and McCole Hardman than Ryan Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker. Why McCall Herdman? Like I, 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 it's almost like that JD McKissick thing where you know it's the opposite, but at the same time, like even if Herdman gets his like one catch, like is he really winning you a week? Uh, well, last week he actually led them in receiving yards and almost had two touchdowns. He had the one deep touchdown and then had the other one that he dropped, but he is uh, now up to playing 39% of their offensive snaps. What's interesting though, is he ran a route on, uh, I believe 64% of Patrick Mahomes total dropbacks. So they're only playing him in situations where they want to throw the ball and specifically they want to throw him the ball because he was targeted on um, like 19% of the routes that he ran in total. So you like Hardman is like a real part of their offense. And I, I like every single week, Demarcus Robinson is playing less and Hardman is playing more and he's really cheap. He's 4,300 like, and, and he can definitely pay off. Like he also, because his salary is not that expensive, he can pay off with like 18 DraftKings points. Yeah, I think I'd want someone who gets a bit more volume than, I mean, he just, there's so many weeks where he can just score you zero. That's not great. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely going to get you zero, but like, uh, you, you get a play with Patrick Mahomes, right? You get a play with Patrick Mahomes, who is, is going to get 45 sometimes, which is, uh, it's pretty nice. Sure. I mean, the fit, don't overlook Fitzpatrick's running game too. Do you really think he's going to be that chalky? Cause I can just see people be like, yeah, I don't want to play Fitzpatrick. Um, yeah, he is. He is going to be. He's going to be popular. People have people have seen what all these passing offenses do against um, Seattle, and also people just like Fitzpatrick. Like Fitz, like people just like to be like, oh, Fitz Magic, the beard. Like he, you know, like he he has the cool picture. He's won people a million dollars before uh, that that week one 2018 game. He was in the Millionaire Maker winning lineup against the New Orleans Saints. Like he he when when Fitzpatrick when Fitzpatrick is in these spots, he he gets popular. Okay, so let's say we cross off Fitzpatrick then from the bottom. I'm not necessarily doing that, but for the context of this conversation, let's do that. If you did want to pay down and have a cheaper stack, I mentioned Minshew and Chark. I actually do like that a lot. He's only 5900 bucks. Chark is 6000 You just get to double up on, you know, for less than $12,000. You can do whatever else you want with your lineups. The Carolina guys with Teddy B being 5600 bucks. But if you want a contrarian stack that's also not very expensive, People want to play Fitzpatrick mainly because Seattle scores so many points. I mean, you're always going to be throwing. They give up a ton of points. The first team to score over 35 and give up over 25 in their first three games to start the season ever. But a team that's very close to doing that exact same thing would be helmed by Baker Mayfield this week. 5800 yep. bucks. Use Odell. Use Landry. I have a feeling very few people are going to do that. 
Uh, I mean, literally no one, right? I just, I talked about it earlier in the show. Like people just have all this negative bias against the Cleveland Browns. And it's, it's just like such, it's like so clearly like a windmill, a windmill spot for uh, the Browns offense, like, and, and for the Cowboys offense, like this, this should be, this probably is going to be the highest scoring game of the week. Like you just, you want to, you want to get guys in, in this game. And, and yeah, I mean, Baker's much cheaper than Dak, right? But he could get 30 plus DraftKings points here. Yeah. Dak is at 7,200. The problem with all these top end guys is we couldn't really find a bunch of value at all of the other positions where there's very obvious pay down spots that paying exactly. up, paying up for a quarterback is just really tough to do. Hence why Lamar and Mahomes and even Josh Allen for that regard, who's in a fantastic matchup against this beat up Oakland team, uh, like that, that would probably be my primary stack if John Brown doesn't play. It would be Allen, Diggs, and then go down to Gabriel Davis just because he is so much savings. And I would probably bring it back with Renfro. You'd probably bring it back with Waller. But at the same time, like I'm, I'm kind of digging what you're saying about like Lamar or even Russell Wilson or Mahomes. Russell Wilson will be very highly owned. I probably shouldn't say that just because he keeps killing. Oh, highly everybody. owned. But Lamar and Mahomes yeah. right around him probably won't be, will they? Huh. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I literally think that this of the six or the 16 games that Lamar is going to play in the regular season. I think that this week is going to be the lowest he is owned. This will be, this will be the, the, the nadir of Lamar ownership. I guess if you wanted to do a contrarian stack, looking at it right now, that's not super expensive, which could make a lot of sense. Deshaun Fuller and Brennan Cooks. Yeah, I mean, I so that the interesting thing about that is like uh, I am actually I I can't decide how contrarian that's even going to be. Like I I wanna I wanna think of that as being very contrarian, but I I like I I kind of feel like people maybe gravitate towards that game a little bit. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not super sure about that. You know, either either way. But like uh, yeah, I mean, this is the this is the total buy spot for Deshaun, for Cooks, for Fuller. I mean, I, I love those guys. And, you know, I don't even want to sweat quarterback ownership like all that much because, not, like, guys don't get, like, crazy, crazy owned. Like, it's very rare to see quarterbacks above 15% or anything like that um, in tournaments. But Fuller, I, Fuller, if we get, you know, like, a, like, I don't know, like a good practice report, like, oh, you know, Fuller looks good in practice, whatever. Like, I, I could see him really uh, picking up some steam as the, as the week goes on. Uh, any other quarterbacks that – it just seems like there it's quarterbacks either in really good spots or quarterbacks in really bad spots. I guess the only one we didn't talk about is Goff. If you like Woods and Cup, yeah, I mean I do I do like Goff from a from a bring back perspective, especially because like we were talking about how so unaffordable some of these guys are. So just for example, if you put Goff in your lineup, and uh, here let me go to Giants Rams. So we go Goff, we double stack him with Cup. Woods, we put Evan Ingram in there at 4,400. And then we put, uh, who do you like better, Slayton or Tate? Tate. Okay, so we put Tate there. So we have our we have our uh, our stack and our bring back. And we put, uh, let's just put in the uh, Bears defense here, just uh, totally random, just based on salary. We have uh, just over $6,000 left per slot. So that that pretty comfortably leaves you in the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Mike Davis, and then, you know, whatever you want at, at flex range. And like, that's a sick stack. That's a super unique lineup, right? The, the double giants bring back. Um, yeah. Like that's like a really unique way to build tournament rosters and, and much cheaper. Uh, like you don't have to use pieces like Gabriel Davis or, uh, or Logan Thomas in that lineup to, to get other good players. Could you use Daniel Jones against the Rams? You know, he's going to run. 
you know he's going to run and you know he just plays this super volatile style of football we're like he, he's just as likely to have four touchdowns as four fumbles so I, I'm, I'm in on that yeah yeah, and he's fifty one hundred bucks. Like I don't really know. We've just talked about like twelve quarterbacks, and he would be probably at the very bottom of that list. He just happens to be the cheapest of all those guys. I think that if you were committed to playing Fitzpatrick or a low end type of salary quarterback, that you could either go up to that Teddy Bridgewater Baker, or you could just go down to Daniel Jones if you were really worried about ownership on Fitzpatrick. I'm really not though. Like, I'm pretty kind of gung ho yeah, to play Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like, oh man, Fitzpatrick is gonna be nineteen uh, percent owned and stuff. Like it's just it's just like the idea of playing playing a popular Ryan Fitzpatrick, it ne- it like it, it never sits that well with me because his his range of outcomes is so so wide, you know? Like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you could tell me he got benched for Tua or he <laughs> threw for six touchdowns and both are like equally believable to me. All right, let's talk defenses before we get out of here. I, I don't have really a clear feel on any of the paydown ones this week. Like the Rams at 3,900 are very clearly the best defense of the week, but they're 3,900 bucks. It's tough to get into your lineups. Uh, you mentioned the Bears just kind of randomly as a paydown defense. Uh, they're $3,100. So they're not like super duper cheap, but this is where we get into a situation where you said like the stats haven't quite matured yet to the point of where you want them. So if you go to ftndaily.com, there's offensive and defensive line rankings up there in terms of pressure rates on quarterback. And Indy kind of rates out really well in both. They protect the quarterback really well. They get to the quarterback really well. But this is not matchup agnostic it's you know factoring in that they've played some pretty shitty teams so far like do we really think that rivers is just going to be under zero duress the entire season uh what happens when the bears get into his face a little bit i mean they can they're almost out of receivers at this point i don't think they can run the ball 45 times that this was kind of my thought process and i think a lot of people's thought processes against the jets last week the jets kept throwing pick sixes and they never had a chance to do anything that if this is a competitive game and rivers has to throw, he's going to make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the bears are in a uh, good spot just because I think that rivers has shown, he just is so turnover prone in general, like through the last like decade of his career, the guy just loves to throw interceptions. A uh, guy loves to, to turtle and, uh, and, and take sacks. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the bears are in a good spot. I guess the trouble I'm having on DraftKings this week with defenses is, is like, the guys, the teams I want to pay up for at defense, I like really want to pay up for like the Buccaneers at 3,400, but like basically from the Seahawks like down, like I, I feel like every defense is, is just kind of like their outcome is going to be totally random. And I don't feel strongly um, about any of them. Like, like I, I, like I, I do like the bears. I think the bears at 3,100 would be the team I would be, you know, kind of most interested in playing, but a ton of these teams, I'm just like, you are you're totally nothing to me like I don't think you're I don't think you can do well at all well looking at it right now through the lens of pressure rate that the defense is going to bring on opposing quarterbacks and put them into a position where they're favorites in the game or you expect the opposing quarterback to have to drop back and throw a lot Kansas City gets a 30 percent pressure rate they're seven point favorites I mean Cam's not immune to four pick games Cam, Cam, not immune to, not immune to four pick games, not immune to uh, a fumble here or there. Um, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs just are always going to be a good fantasy defense because they're like always playing up by 10 points. And uh, that's, uh, that's pretty strong. So I, I could see them being a pretty strong tournament play. I think, I think the issue is, I mean, I, I like Cam a lot as a play. I think he might run like 20 times this week. Well, that would be a problem against the opposing defense then. Like, it really depends on how quickly, if you think that the Chiefs can jump up in this game, that if they're up, 
I mean, Cam's going to run, but it's not going to be designed runs by him if they're down by 14. It's going to be him dropping back, looking downfield, seeing nothing, and taking off himself, which does open the door for more sacks, fumbles, that kind of thing. So I'm not necessarily against that, but if we turn into a game where this is really competitive and it's a really close game, the Patriots are just going to run the same offense they did last week against Oakland, and there there is no fantasy points to be had for the opposing defense when you run the ball 90 times. No, no, none, none at all, none at all. And I think that, uh, I think that is, uh, that's not, it's just not what you're, it's not what you're looking to get. So I, I, I think that I would, I would lean on the side of playing more cam than the chiefs defense, but you know, I mean, Mahomes could just have the, the two flicks of his wrist. They're up 14 zero. And then all of a sudden the chiefs are playing downhill against cam, you know, trying to operate in this like brand new offense. You know, he's only been there for literally cam has been a, a Patriot for nine weeks at this point. So I, I could see things going poorly there. Uh, the other ones that I'm kind of looking at, strangely enough, this one kind of sucks because they're playing Seattle, but Seattle has no offensive line. Miami's getting to the quarterback. Uh, they're generating a ton of pressure. The sacks just haven't followed yet. That's probably not what you want to do, but it's the min. It's 2,000 at home. You just need one something right to go your way, and all of a sudden you know, you've paid down, you've saved all that salary, and it's not so bad. Vikings against the worst offensive line in football, maybe? Yeah, I mean the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings are totally terrible, but I, I think I think just for their price and just for the fact that you know even if they give up like thirty-one points or whatever, you still feel pretty comfortable that they will be able to generate some sacks. Like they'll still be able to uh, you know have a chance for some turnovers and stuff. And they are you know not not crazy like at twenty-eight hundred. They're not crazy expensive. I I think. Um, I would maybe even go the other way and actually just take the Texans though and just be like, dude, Kirk Cousins is the worst. Like Kirk Cousins is just terrible. So what's the point? Well, strangely enough, Kirk Cousins is the second best quarterback over the past two years against the Blitz. It seems like when he has less time to make decisions, he is better than when he actually has time to think about it. Well, he doesn't have Steph Diggs anymore. And uh, I know Justin Jefferson looked really hot in uh in that week three game but missing missing digs is i think a big reason why the vikings offense looks so brutal through the first two weeks of the season and uh i i expect that to continue to be a problem you know like and they're i mean some of these guys they are playing on offense pat are just like total nothings like irv smith jr kyle rudolph olabc johnson these guys these guys are are bad these are bad nfl football players the best offensive lines in football so far in terms of avoiding pressure on their quarterback, the Bucks are actually the best. The Colts, the Packers, the Saints, the Panthers, the Cardinals, uh, which seems kind of crazy, uh, the Chiefs, the Eagles. The Eagles' offensive line somehow has kept Wentz upright despite the fact that it doesn't seem like they should at all, uh, just based on how poorly he's played. Uh, and then it's the Lions. If we're looking at the worst, the worst offensive lines have been the Texans, the Niners, the Broncos, the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Jets. Like, if you just looked at pure matchups of bad offensive lines versus good defensive lines and the pressure that they generate, it's it's actually like Kansas City and Miami, which is the craziest thing of the week. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is. I don't even know what to make. I don't even know what to make of that information. I guess. I guess maybe the maybe the Dolphins just because they're going to face so many pass attempts, and if they luck into a pick six, you know that like they they and, and because we like so many really expensive quarterback options this week because of where they're going to come in in terms of ownership. Like maybe maybe we do play the Dolphins. It would have to be one of those things where are you good? Like what what's the most negative you can score on DraftKings scoring as a defense? Like minus four uh let's well let's let's look at the rules i don't even know 
the most negative that you can score on defense. Yeah. 30 35 plus points allowed is minus four. So uh, yeah, you could, you, so let's just, let's just even assume, let's assume the Seahawks score that, that amount of points. Um, we, we would get six points for a touchdown. Um, we would get, you know, obviously a point for every sack. Like they could grind out, they could grind out five points um, even if they did allow 35, which they are probably going to. Yeah, and you would have to assume that maybe we didn't talk about the Seattle backfield at all, like Carlos Hyde, who's now on the injury report, but it looks like he's going to play. Like, do you have any interest in those guys? Like, this is a bad run defense, and it should be a situation where they are running. I actually have a lot of interest in Travis Homer because he would do. be the guy who would play the passing downs, but I, I actually think Carson is going to find a way to play in this game. He he returned to practice on Wednesday in limited fashion, which is just like he's a sicko. I don't I don't know why he's wanting to get back and play. I guess because he doesn't want to lose his job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I Travis Homer is the running back minimum on DraftKings, which is four thousand now. And he for me, he he actually would be a play if Carson sits. But I I think Carson is going to play. I, I, could you play Carson if he like? Because no one will play Carson. Like, would you have the guts to go play him? You can always, you can always find a reason. Like when a team total is this high and a guy is going to be 1% owned, you can always find a reason to play him. Like I I could be like, yeah, totally. But would I actually go and click his name in my own lineups? Very low chance of that. So if we're looking down at the bottom, maybe the Dolphins aren't the best option, even though the cheapest, maybe you're right about the Texans because the Minnesota offensive line isn't very good. Yeah, like just if you're if the theory is that the Vikings suck, and I do think that the Vikings suck, like yeah, I mean I I like that I like that as a decision. Yeah, I wanted to play the Jags, but I couldn't figure out why on the road that they're three thousand dollars. That yes, that's not great. Like DraftKings, um, you know, I mean defensive pricing probably is like the the weirdest thing in their algorithm, but um, it's just like you're you're not making it easy on us this week, guys. Yeah, I mean last week uh, the people who won all the monies just paid up for the Colts, didn't they? Yeah, or or the Buccaneers also had a super strong game. Maybe I, I know the pricing is so tight this week. Could you get yourself up to the Rams or Ravens? I actually built a lineup earlier where I had I was able to get to the Buccaneers defense, but that included Gabriel Davis. Like so, so it seems like a ton of my strategy this week is really hinging on a a thirty two hundred dollar guy with uh, nine career receptions. So maybe I need to rethink some of the way. Maybe I need to rethink some of what I'm uh, building out this week. All right, Davis Maddock, you can follow him on Twitter at Davis Maddock. Check him out at DailyRoto.com. The Tape Cast is your podcast plus everything else. So can you just describe to everyone so they can find you very easily and tell them where you can find your nerdlinger glasses? Uh, yeah, just uh, search for my name, Davis Matic, M-A-T-T-E-K, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find uh, both of the podcasts I do. All of my seasonal fantasy football content is on sportsgrid.com. All of my daily fantasy content is on dailyroto.com, and that's uh, that's all of it. You don't even wear glasses. No, these are blue blockers, dude. I t- we've had we've had this conversation. This is true. I, I used to, why do why do you have to wear them for the show? I, I feel like you're going for a look here. I'm actually not. It it like if I don't wear them now, I get like a, a horrible glaring headache after being at my computer for like an hour because it like I people always say like oh blue blockers blah blah blah. blah. 
like, oh, it doesn't make a difference. And like, for me, it like actually makes like a huge difference. Now, did it actually make a difference or did you start wearing them and you now rely on them that when you take them off, like your body is accustomed to using them, that you, maybe that's the whole, you're addicted to them now. You can't go off of them. Uh, I mean, maybe that's true, but I just know, I know like uh, beforehand, like when I'd get done, you know, four or five at the end of the day, staring at my computer all day, like my eyes would like hurt. Like they would just have, they would just have been like straining and stuff all day. And the blue blockers, like actually, like I, I just never feel that anymore. All right. Davis Maddock at Davis Maddock on Twitter. Search his name in iTunes or the Apple podcast store and you can find it in there for me at the PME, Twitter, Facebook instagram play in the pat mayo experience listeners league by the way the link is in the description of this video i think i forgot to say that off the top weird sometimes i forget things ftndaily.com code mayo get you a discount but there's a ton of free tools that you should go check out up there already uh and if you like those you can get the optimizer as well but i would suggest everyone go check out ftndaily.com a lot of the stats pressure rates air yards everything like that up there free to use to you right now and uh, there's a lot of content free up there as well too so rate and review the podcast smash like for the episode good luck on DraftKings this week someone go win a million bucks okay i'm pat mayo i'll see you next time experience experience